imposter syndrome is is basically that feeling that you're a fraud, but it does happen a lot when people are almost like fish out of water. So it happens to women a lot when they're in male dominated fields. Cool. So a lot of uh, women in STEM fields or uh, even like in comedy and stand up. And it was like that, um, you know, anywhere where where your your gender or your race um, is your minority in that department probably um, hot cosplay chicks feel this way because there's a lot of just regular ass cosplay people um and then there's a, just a couple of hot ones yeah and they feel like maybe they don't look like the joker see or harley quinn yeah maybe people are just saying that they look like harley quinn i'll tell you a lot of cosplay guys you don't really look like ninjas that's for sure hello welcome back to shit they don't tell you i'm Nikki limo and this is my husband and co-host the ice man i never know what name he's gonna say hello Never know. Some have said I am the nice man, which I am not used so to. That's yet. not correct. I'm not really used to it. Nah. Okay, we'll see. Nah. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about imposter syndrome, and this subject got brought up on a recent episode of JK News, and I felt like we didn't really get to dive all the way into it, and there were a lot of people that reached out to me after that episode wanting to know more or you know, thanking me for even like bringing up some of the points that I touched upon, and I actually forgot that I had this like mm. I I had this deeply I mean I didn't forget that I had it but I forgot that that's what it was called like because I went through extensive therapy when it, like after it got to the point where I felt like I couldn't handle my life anymore um, and a lot of the stuff that we had to kind of rewire and undo had to do with imposter syndrome and I think it's it's important to talk about some shit they don't tell you about. And what I found was at least 70% of the population goes through this at some point in their life. Whoa. So imposter syndrome is is basically that feeling that you're a fraud, that none of your successes are real and that you don't deserve success. The actual definition of it is... Um, you're a fraud. You're a fake-ass fraud. No, that's not the actual oh, okay, definition okay. of it. To... The persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. So a lot of people will think that if they do have any successes, that it was because of luck or because of just like they they were winging it and they're barely scraping by or because they had to work harder than anyone else to prove that they or to like cover up the fact that they're actually a fraud. Right. And by the way, uh, disclaimer, I am not a psychologist or professional. I'm just recapping things that I have researched about and then my own experiences. And similarly, like, and like disclaimer too, like I'm just the ice man. So like. Are you the nice man? Some have said that. Who? It's kind of new. I don't know. People are, Who? People are really swirling. Where are they saying one. this? All over. All over. I need to correct the, them because yeah. I think that you have reverse imposter syndrome. Like you are I'm, I'm a fraud and you oh, <laughs> think that you're not oh i think uh i think all my shit's legit i think all my all my checks clear you know what i'm talking about right 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 um so actually i've been i revisited this book that i read a while back called uh, the imposter cure it's by dr jessamy hibbard and it says how to stop feeling like a fraud and escape the mind trap of imposter syndrome nice it's pretty direct pretty right straight yeah. to the point <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually a really easy read. It, it looks thick, but um, you could finish this book easily in a day or um, maybe you know two days if you split up the sessions. But it's yeah, it's it really helped me a lot. So highly recommend checking it out if you want to like really dive deeper on the subject. But we're gonna brush over a couple things today, and I feel like 
Uh, it's some shit that I wish I would have known about that I think would have helped me out a lot. Um, so imposter syndrome was first described by two clinical psychologists, Dr. Pauline Clance and Dr. Suzanne Imes, in 1978 when they noticed that their female students were full of doubt about their abilities and worried about continuing their successes. Because at that time, it was when the paradigm was kind of shifting where women before that time were raised more to be uh, a wife and a mother. So like your whole goal in life was to marry a man who has a stable job and then you have a bunch of babies and you raise them and you do a good job at that. And then during this time, there was like a revolution that was happening and uh, women were allowed to go to school. And even though they were getting really impressive marks and grades and um, they were getting really positive feedback from their professors, their male professors, most of them described not feeling like they belonged there, they didn't deserve to be there, that maybe there was um, their success was a result of positive discrimination. Mm. Like they, you know, they're women, so they're getting treated like yeah, they changed the, uh, there's the, a bell the curve almost. And, yeah, 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 exactly. And it, it created this whole psychological phenomenon, which um, doesn't just happen in women, but it does happen a lot when people are almost like fish out of water. So it happens to women a lot when they're in male dominated fields. Cool. So a lot of uh, women in STEM fields or uh, even like in comedy and stand up, and it was like that. Um, you know, anywhere where where your your gender or your race um, is, you're a minority in that department. Probably um, hot cosplay chicks feel this way. There's a lot of just regular ass cosplay people, um, and then there's a, just a couple of hot ones. Yeah, and they feel like maybe they don't look like the Joker. See, or Harley Quinn. Yeah, maybe people are just saying that they look like Harley Quinn. I'll tell you, a lot of cosplay guys, you don't really look like ninjas. That's for sure. My favorite cosplay hot girls are the hot girls that dress like guy characters or like like really fierce alpha male characters, but they somehow make it sexy. Sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that's a specific gift. Like sexy dragon balls. That's a talent. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Or sexy Wolverine, but oh, they're yeah. like girls. Well you just put boobs on Wolverine. That's pretty sexy already. That's true. And the claws make it particularly sexy, oh, yeah. I think. Aggressive. Yeah. Um so it happens to seventy percent of the population like I uh, talked about before, but um you know, it's this feeling, and we talked about this on JK News. It's just, just this feeling that you don't—you're not qualified in whatever you're doing. So, if you got hired at a job and you're making good money, you like secretly feel like they're gonna find out you don't deserve to be there. Wow. Yeah, and it's—and it's bad. It's this constant fear that um, you're not good enough, and, and and at any moment someone could discover you, and it causes a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, people, some people try to brush it off and say that imposter syndrome is good for them. Like they'll they'll say things like, "Well, it makes me work hard, it makes me it keeps me humble, it means I aim for high standards, it motivates me, it's better to be modest than arrogant, keeps me in check." A lot of those things. Mm -hmm. I feel like those were personally things that I would tell myself when I thought that, like, well. You know, I'm. I might not. I might be a fraud, but I can learn to be better, wow. and this will make me do better. And how was your confidence during that? Oh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just a wreck. Yeah. Yeah, self-esteem tumbled to an all-time low. Uh, that's when I finally went and saw a psychologist, and it, I don't even think she was working on this thing specifically, but it was a byproduct of 
um, I mean, the, the curing that was like a byproduct of all the other things that we were working on. Yeah, that to me is the biggest problem with imposter syndrome is the lack of confidence that people have. Yeah. Because of it. Yeah, well, what happens is uh, people with imposter syndrome, syndrome don't realize that everybody struggles with um, feeling like they're, you know, they, they don't know if they're good enough for the job. Like when you get a new job, most people, like 99% of people are nervous like you have you're to learn the job you, you have to learn train. the job you're in a different environment you uh you know you don't know the lay of the land yet you don't know the people there you know you're very in a you're very new and you're acclimating to a, a, a different environment just the difference between confident people and people with imposter syndrome is that confident people are aware that that's normal to feel sure and, they, but, and then and, there's the overconfident people who are not aware at all. Oh, you're true. And they're yeah. like, I fucking rock. I rock. No, no and, matter what. And I think that was, part, for, for me, that was partly why I developed it is because I saw people like that who I judged as like, well, that person's not legitimate. Like, you know, right. that person is so not self-aware. And so I feel like I overcompensated. Like, I never want to be that person that thinks that they're fucking killing it. And they're not, and everybody around them is laughing at them. Yeah, that's that would scare me too. Yeah, and I it, it just started spiraling where like I, I never thought that I was good enough, and um, I couldn't see my own accomplishments. I could only see my failures and my shortcomings. And when people would compliment me, I felt like they were just like, either they had a secret agenda or they were blowing smoke up my ass mm-hmm. or whatever. But I didn't feel like it was real. And then any failures I did have, just. Um, contributed to confirmation bias, basically. Like everything that I believed about myself that I didn't deserve success, that see, I, ha- I wasn't qualified, I that I wasn't worthy. Really- yeah. Yeah. It's like, see, that's, I mean, obviously I failed. Yeah. I, like proof. I wasn't qualified. Yeah. Why did they hire me? Why did they ask me to do this? I, I wasn't. I don't deserve things. Right. And uh, like in, even with like with the algorithm, with number, like things that everyone's struggling with, but it felt so personal. I was like, see, like why would this video get half the views of that other video I just did if I didn't, if I, if that wasn't luck, you know, right, right. I just got lucky that that, that people watched that one video, hmm. you know? So, um, also when you're looking into, if this is resonating with you at all and you're like, I think I have this, um, there are several reasons why you could have this. And the reason why I think the majority of the population has this is that it all stems back to, childhood just like Uh, every freaking psychological condition you could ever think of it stems back to childhood because when you're a child you are a sponge you don't even know what you are doing to yourself uh you just soak up the world around you at a rate that's too fast for adults to even know that they're fucking you up dude i want to raise our kids in like one of those scientific white rooms that you have to get hosed down before you walk (laughs) in that'll fuck them up too right see no matter what you do man (laughs) but that's yeah that's my point is that um you can get imposter syndrome from one environment and the exact opposite environment. So when you look at your childhood, there are certain contributing factors that made you develop these beliefs and these beliefs became concrete. So when you're a kid, when you're under six especially, um, you don't know much about, you don't know anything about the world. Everything that you're learning is probably coming from your parents, maybe some relatives or teachers, um, maybe a neighbor or two, but like mostly from your parents and you don't question anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you're told this is the color red and that that's a bird. And you're told that over and over and over again. And you believe it because that's the only thing anyone's telling you. And you don't really have the capabilities to question anything. So if you also got told in addition to like, that's a bird, you also got told, 
um, oh, you're the smart one or you're the smart sibling. Oh, things come easy to you. Mm-hmm. And maybe your your successes were discounted because they just said, well, you're smart, so things come easy to you. So that shouldn't be celebrated because it just it's easy. It's you're just built in, you natural. So you learn to discount your successes because they're easy for you. And then when you grew older and things weren't easy for you, you felt incompetent, which is kind of what happened to me, I think. I, I think uh, I, you know, started out above average, just like I learned how to read when I was three. I was always just like impressive. Like I, people will call me smart all the time. So the, so the, you got validation from all that. Yeah. And, and it, that and wasn't happening. It was just like, wow, she's a wow girl. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I was young, very, very, very young. And when I was in first grade, I was reading at a fifth grade reading level. When I was second grade, I was also reading at a fifth grade reading level. And then all the way up to fifth grade where I was also reading at a fifth grade reading level. I read way higher than fifth grade, just so you know. Damn, that's fucking alarming. Where's my fucking wow, dude? What I'm trying to say is when I got to fifth grade, I was still reading at the same reading level as when I was in first grade. It was no longer impressive. I was average with my peers. And then in sixth grade, I started getting terrified. I see. Because I was no longer impressive. There were no more accolades. An A was expected. It was not like cool anymore, you know, and anything less than an A was like, what's going on? What's wrong? And uh, and then when I you know got into junior high and w- I was put into gate classes, you're surrounded by people that are equally as talented, if not more talented than you, and you just start to believe that you're incompetent. The same thing could happen vice versa, where you're not the smart one, and your parents are like, oh, you're not the smartest one, but you're a hard worker, and you internalize that and grow up believing that you're not smart that the only reason you're going to make it is because you work hard and so you overwork and the you just work and work and work. Just being like, you're not the smart one is so crazy. Well, they'll say but, it but in, you're right. in I different mean, ways. They do do that. Like, yeah, they'll say, they, and I don't think, they don't mean to do it. Obviously, parents are trying to do their best job. Maybe some parents are a little fucked up, but, but for the most part, I feel like you're trying to raise your kids the best you can. And as an adult, I think we brush off our childhoods or our parents' wrongdoings quote unquote because we understand them as adults we're like oh yeah like that's a that's an easy thing to say to a kid or that's an easy mistake to make or of course you left your kid with a babysitter for all day long every day because you had to work full time so you could support them and raise a family and feed them so you don't you don't really blame them for you know putting their kid in child care because that's they were being a responsible parent, but the kid doesn't see it that way. You as a child didn't see it that way. You as a child were like, where did my mom go? I don't know when she's ever coming back. Yes. And you develop a sort of not feeling safe sense about you that you that you could be abandoned at any minute. <laughs> and just because you love your mom now doesn't mean that she's not at fault for how you felt as a child and that you carried that with you. Exactly, because a child, a baby does not differentiate, does not have the awareness or capability to understand right. why things are happening. They just know that, that that's happening. And when you're a baby, your whole thing is like survive. Like yeah. that's your whole job is just to survive. And so you very much depend on these adults and your parents. And you see your mom as not only um, the person that's teaching you everything, but also as a food resource, you know, when you're uh, drinking milk from her boobs, mm-hmm. you know, you see her as co- your. She's your whole world. Yes. Yeah. So, um, when you're now, I barely even call her. Yeah, I mean, must Crazy. must suck for 
them. I feel so bad for parents I know, right? because you don't really like appreciate them until you're older and can That's understand sure. everything. Uh, and even then you're like, yeah, you fucked me up, but like you didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah. You don't even know. There's no playbook. You don't know yeah. what's going on. But I think understanding the why, and <laughs> this is the hardest part because you don't even realize that those were beliefs that you formed that you've carried with you your whole life until you unpack all of that history. And you really start to look at your childhood and like what things were told to you on a consistent basis and what that might have done and affected you and how you perceive the world around you and how you learned as you developed as a, as a person, how you, how that was a constantly a contributing factor. So you started off with a lot of this confidence because you'd get oh, yeah. wowed all the time. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, the rug gets pulled out from under you. When I was a kid, I feel like my self-esteem was very high. Right. It wasn't till I was about nine years old. Till, yeah. The... So that's when you start feeling like an imposter. Yes. I see. Yeah. And I didn't know that it went back that far. And that's when depression started, too. Anxiety, depression, almost every single mental health issue that I had to unfold as an adult happened around that time around so have, when I was I have a theory about this as well where uh so yeah that is around the time I remember being very confident as a kid and then you know you kind of get a little older and you start to question whether you're very good at things or whatever yeah um and it sort of coincides with your interest in pop culture at, at the same time like celebrity culture and media pumping up these celebrities and making them into infallible legends and shit mm -hmm. and they're not people anymore they're like these special people that we all have to look at on mountains and you get these are schools named after them and all this stuff i think that's super damaging uh to kids especially because then you grow up thinking that there's a, a group of people that are special mm -hmm. and i could just i'm just not that i'm not that mm -hmm. And so those people have some kind of special skill that they were born with or something because that's how that's how you notice when they ask like questions of these people like Michael Jordan or whoever. It's like, man, you were always good at this shit or you're you're you you're just the best ever whoever did it. Right. So like nobody ever. It, it, the focus is not on the work that was put into it. Right. You know, the focus is more on how they just turn it on. Like you, Michael Jordan walked on the basketball court and turned it on. He's the best, right? Like yeah. That kind of shit. It discounts all the effort. Right. It's, oh, that's another thing. Like if you look at your childhood, like if you look at the way the adults in your life treated you, did they reward uh, success or did they reward the effort? Because for me, they rewarded, I feel like the effort. And so like if success came easily, it wasn't applauded. You know, it wasn't okay. like recognized as is being that big of a deal because if it if it came easily. So I feel like that's what made me feel like I need to be working constantly to like I need to put in the effort to earn the deserved res uh, like success. Right. And respect. Yeah, I think I just gave up on wanting uh, that for my parents after a certain point. Yeah. When I remember doing a you know the story but they don't. So when I was doing a movie premiere for this movie smiley me and nikki were in like me and nikki are in the movie like it's pretty big deal that uh this was had a limited nationwide release and all this shit we had gone to my brother's air force graduation uh like we all got in a van we drove to texas for it yeah uh i'm doing this premiere up in la never know when you're getting another one no and it's very very hard to get a premiere in a theater release in la and i invited my folks and they did not come so same so it's like, man, I uh, 
I give up on you guys as far as wanting some kind of credit for whatever I'm up to. Like, My mom felt bad, though. Did your parents feel bad? I think, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, but it's just one of those things that changes your mind about things. Yeah. They right? didn't no, realize, My, at least for my parents, they didn't realize how big of a deal it was until like years later. Yeah. And then when we were doing Internet Famous a couple years later, they came to that one because yeah. I raised hell about the first one. Yeah. But it never meant as much to me uh-huh. then because I had already gotten over it. It's like the spell was broken. Right. And I just don't go like... You know what I mean? I don't know. I just it, it was something changed in my mind at that point where yeah. I don't I no longer seek their approval because I felt heartbroken. Well, so I protected myself. That probably. makes sense. I mean, especially when you compare it to like the treatment that your siblings are giving or getting and then the treatment that you're getting, it's like discounted. Yeah, and they're yeah. military boys, both of them. So then we we all traveled to for the next graduation, which was after Smiley came out and so yeah, I just, you know, I mean, I'm there and I'm kind of pissed. A little bit. I'm not letting anyone know, but I'm kind of like, I never forget anything. Yeah. I'm very petty. It's funny that both of us were pretty pissed at smiling. Then we were the last ones on the dance floor dancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the night away. And it's so funny. We, we were last ones on the dance floor dancing the night away. And also my name was not in the credits. Oh, my God. I was going through a breakup and my boyfriend, well, he was like, we were in this the weird middle period where like, I still care about you, but we're kind of like broken up, but I still care about you, blah, blah, blah. And um, he was supposed to be my date at that at that event. And then he was trying to cancel on me last minute while I was getting ready for it. So I was like bawling my eyes out while trying to get ready for it. Um, and I remember your girlfriend at the time and had invited me to get go over and get ready. Mm. And I couldn't because I was literally crying, like bawling. Wow. And <laughs> she thought that it, I think she th- felt rejected by that. But uh, I, <laughs> I really. Hey, good thing you didn't because you guys, who, who knows what would happen if you guys were close or yeah. some shit. Thank fuck for that. Um, but yeah, I remember, yeah, it was like a lot of just holding that in because he, he ended up showing up, but he was on a break from work. And mm. then he left and went back to work. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you just and I don't I don't hold it against them now. No. It's just something that I realize why I don't care anymore. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't call them first whenever something cool happens. Like yeah. I, I don't I don't get plus my mom hates my comedy. She really does. Right. It's actually very frustrating to talk to my mother about anything that I consider funny that I'm working on. Because she does not get it, does not like it. Yeah. Doesn't get satire, likes like classic set up punch jokes. Comedy is subjective and completely, but it's just frustrating, right? So it's like it it gets to the point where you wish that your own parents would. My dad thinks my shit's hilarious. Okay. He doesn't admit to it because (laughs) some of it's very dirty sometimes, but he thinks that shit's fucking funny. I can tell. And sometimes people don't understand satire, like when you do a flat earth video oh my God, uh, so funny. and you talk about how you believe in flat earth the whole time I do fucking 50 minutes on flat earth and then oh. people are in the comments thinking i'm a real flat earther it's fucking classic this is why i love my branding mm-hmm. i love this shit but yeah so um <clears throat> it's just the the fact that my name got left out of those credits though during smiley i think was the engine that fired me like- towards doing internet famous because i felt so fucking disrespected about it and by the way it was an oversight yeah by the way mike was the one who made the oversight. He's the director of the movie. I didn't write Smiley either. I had nothing yeah. to do with it. So m- my name be- not being on the credits would have been a much bigger deal. If yeah, that, if, if that you wrote happened. it, yeah. But it's still, it's just one of those things where I just, you go to a movie premiere, you expect to see your name on the thing. Yeah. That's what you dream about. You right. dream about seeing your name on the credits. And the, the fact that I had, had that taken from me 
and then my family didn't even show up, I was like, oh my God, I'm fucking disrespected by the universe. Yeah. And that was my engine, you know? And so you can use a lot of this stuff to, to make progress for yourself. But here's the one thing it never affected was my, my own personal confidence. I have a good relationship with my, my, my personal confidence. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, and that's not to say I'm not better than anybody and I'm not lower than anybody. Right. That's my whole philosophy on life. So, but it did, it did definitely piss me the fuck off. I, I had a hard time counting the, that as a success as there was a lot of people praising me and being like, whoa, I just saw you on a billboard over New York City, you yeah. know, and like it was a crazy time. It was also the Smiley premiere happened a week before I appeared in an episode of How I Met Your Mother. And so it was almost like what would have been like huge, like milestones in my career um, I discounted completely because I was also waitressing still at the time. Yeah. I was broke as fuck, and I felt like, well, this isn't success, you know. Like this isn't doesn't feel like it. I mean, yeah, like I'm in a movie. Who cares? I'm in a TV show. Who cares? Because I'm not really like living that life. Like it's not. It wasn't my picture of success. And uh, my the psychologist had told me that I, um, I one thing I needed to really work on was. Uh, not needing my like life to match up with my picture of success yeah. because I had a very distinct picture of what success looks like and it's just impossible. You'll you never chase get it forever. Yeah. You can chase it forever. Exactly. And instead to the way that we were undoing everything was, um, you know, looking at your life and seeing it as if you were a stranger. So looking at your own life, looking as an outsider, looking in and uh, looking at all of your successes and, really writing all of those down, which I'll get to in a moment after we break for the sad. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We just want to take a break to tell you to like, thanks for listening to our podcast. And if you want to rate it, that would be really awesome for us. Like we're on break. We're not talking to you like podcast hosts right now. We're just talking to you like people as a friend. And we just want to say, please rate the show because it helps out huge amounts. Like we're not desperate. We're like kind of desperate. We're giving shout outs right now to all the people who are giving it ratings. So Huge shout out right now to Brian Jorgensen. That was sick of you, dude. Thank you. God bless. Uh, huge shout out right now to Mark. Mark W. in Springfield, Connecticut. Back to our podcast. Jenny Blythe. Hey, back to our podcast. In Tuscany, and Florida. back to our podcast. God bless you. Thank you. Steven. Huge. Thank you for supporting the show. <laughs> All right. Another thing on that topic of that picture of success that I think a lot of people can relate to is that when we're children – we see grownups as having their shit together. You know, you look at grownups and you're like, wow, one day when I'm that age, I'll have my shit together. And that's just what happens. Like you just naturally get your shit together and you have a job and you have a family and you have a house and you have all the things that make a grownup a grownup. And then when you get to that age and you don't have those things or you're missing one or two of those things, or you have those things and you don't know how you got them or what to do with them, you start feeling like a fraud. This is where hashtag adulting got out of control. Got out bro. of control, yeah. Out of control. Is this hashtag adulting? Fuck all of you hashtag adulting people. I bought a washing machine today. It wasn't fun, but I guess I'm adulting <laughs> now. Oh yeah. my God. I feel embarrassed. I, I did go through that phase, but I feel like well, that least, was when it was new. At least for you, it was a fucking phase. <laughs> How about the people still doing it right now on my fucking Instagram feed? Hey, hey. 
Can they just chill a little bit? Guess what? You're an adult. Also, you're successful. Also, you're close to they a millionaire. They probably have imposter syndrome. But it's so funny, though, because I'm like, dude, you're close to a millionaire in assets alone. Yeah. But a lot of people with imposter syndrome are super successful. Very, very successful people that think that they got there by luck or by working so hard like they can't stop working there's two coping mechanisms for imposter syndrome one is overworking and one is avoidance so avoiding everything do like cramming at the last minute you ever have a test in the morning or whatever and you wait till the last minute to study and then you pull an all-nighter and maybe you've got a b on that test but you're like well i probably would have aced it if i actually put some work into it you write it off because it's like you're scared of that if you did put work into it and you still failed then it would confirm that you're a fraud and an sure, imposter. But I think that these people, the way that they do it is kind of like the thumb in their nose at other people. Because like, it's like, oops, I accidentally woke up this morning. I tripped and fell and sold a TV show. How did I do it? I'm an adult. Weird. Well, yeah, they're I'm trying like, to fuck you. make self-deprecating jokes about it. Self-deprecation is also part of a coping mechanism. Well, no, but I just see it as like. You see it because you, but you're on the other side of confidence. You're aware. Yeah. Yeah. I just see it as a little cunty. That's all. It it can come across that way because it's yeah. almost overcompensating. Right. Yeah. It's like if I make fun of that I'm a fraud, then it won't matter if I'm actually a fraud. Could be. In that in that sense. Yeah. And then the other one is overworking where I, I mentioned this earlier where if you overwork yourself, like then you can make up for all of the qualities that you lack like you can make up for if you're not qualified you can make up for it with time with mm. like putting more time into it and then if you never stop working at the expense of your social life you're working nights you're working weekends um but at least you won't slip behind and i had that thing too when uh when i was seeing my therapist it was that i didn't describe it as that but more that i always felt like i was dropping the ball no matter how many hours i put in no matter how much work i was doing i always felt like i was dropping the ball or that so i was going to Someone was going to, I was going to be in trouble. Like, I always felt like I was in trouble. And I know why. Why? Because you're old man. Yeah. <laughs> your old man used to make you feel, you, you feel like no matter what you did, you're going to in trouble. Yeah. Like, I could get straight A's and I could make try to make sure all my bases are covered, but he would find something yeah. that I would get in trouble for. Like and you make your bed and you got to ground it for two weeks. Yeah. And then, and then couple that with what you were talking about, your siblings getting treated differently. It was sort of the same thing where my brother would get praised for really small things. And my dad later, much later in life, when I was 26, I'll never forget it because it was the first time ever that he told me he was proud of me. I was like waiting for that my whole life. I didn't know how to handle it. Um, really wanted to cry, but it was, he told me right before we walked on a red carpet for a premiere in New York and I couldn't cry because I was going to ruin my makeup. But I was just like, I can't believe this moment is happening. And he told me that my brother doesn't need it as much, or that I, my brother needs it more than me. Like he, praise. Yeah, he needs praise more than me, and he needs to be told when he's doing something right more than me. And, and the reason he did that was because he saw me as being like him. And he told me, hey, you and me, we don't need praise. We don't need people blowing smoke up our asses. We don't need people telling us that we're doing a good job constantly. And I was like, I kind of needed it. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of really being. needed it. Um, but yeah, so it caused me to discount a lot of successes because I didn't see them as being worthy of praise. Right. Yeah. And so uh, I really didn't put together these pieces until much later in my 20s. Um, actually, I would think I was 30 by the time. Three I, years ago. Yeah, it was like three years ago. Yeah. 
uh, when it, when it really just came to a, a peak. Well, yeah, you did this. Uh, you were with this therapist. Well, yeah, but the only reason I started going there was because I was like, man, I am having really bad thoughts again. Mm-hmm. Um, like I went through, my, I think my lowest with depression in 2012, coincidentally during the time of Smiley and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I got got through it, got over it, but then I started feeling all of that again in 2017, 2016. It was during a political year. It was. Uh, I think just the chaos of the world coupled with all this stuff going on where I was overworking myself and always felt like behind and like I was going to get in trouble and I felt like I was having imposter syndrome. And uh, I started having those thoughts again, even fully aware logically that my life was going great. I was like, man, I'm with the love of my life. I, you know, because before... That's me, everybody. That's me. Oh, yeah. I get, yeah, it is you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. True. True. true, true. I almost forgot. Um, I was with, yeah, I was with the love of my, like before I could discount it because I was like, well, if I was with a stable per- relationship or if I was in a stable job, if I was making stable income, then these feelings would go away. But then I was having all of that in 2016 and the feelings didn't go away. The feelings were actually almost worse because now I couldn't blame it on not having something. You know, right. it, like I thought those things would validate me. That'd be like, look, you you are worth it. You are you do deserve this. But it really just made it amplified that feeling of being an imposter of that. This was all luck and that I don't know how to I don't know how to sustain this life because I don't know how I got here. And I don't know. I think it was just luck. I think that like I was just winging it. And I don't you know, even saving up and buying a house was like, well, I couldn't have, we couldn't have afforded those that down payment if it we didn't get those gigs by chance. It was like by luck. All like, lined up that like way. what if we didn't get those gigs? What if we never get gigs ever again? You know, it, it's it's also our inter- in the entertainment industry, like the world that we live in and the the industry that we're in, where it's there's a lack mindset that comes with it. Yeah, and there's it's very like, when's my next job? Yeah. Right. And or I might not get it. I better not buy anything because I might not get anything. Yeah. I better be careful about everything I do. And you also discount um, any skills that you developed or the the value that you've built because. Um, you don't have like a, a firm like a I I felt for me at least I didn't have like a like a solid like look here's a certification saying that I'm licensed to make this yeah. amount of money from this this job and this time like you're setting your own rate and you're setting your own value and you're negotiating your own deals or maybe you have a manager negotiating deals but you know it's very someone else is determining your value almost. And so it's really hard to have a grasp on an internal grasp on what your actual value is. And so, yeah, that's when I finally just broke down. I was having anxiety attacks every single day, you know. Oh, yeah. And you were telling me because I was like little things felt very big. Like if I missed a video upload or if I. um, It was the end of the world. It was. It felt really much felt like one thing unraveled the whole like one thread could unravel everything and that's the thing about you is that you're you, you're very aware person i tell this to people all the time is um you're you have two brains and your emotional brain and your logical brain and your logical brain can even reach all the way over your emotional brain and, and be and explain the emotions while i'm going through right. them so you can be very meta sometimes which is yeah. super weird because you're crying while you're meta yeah but my mom's the same exact way so I'm very used to, I was used to that already. So when you start doing this in our relationship, I'm not freaking out or anything. I know. You're the first person that didn't freak out. 
I'm the fucking man. Right. I love your life. So, but that's, that's so. But what's it's fascinating that you being fully in your with your facilities with logic can still be in a tailspin. Yeah. Right? But then there are times, and I would say this is probably two percent of the time when you're just in a tailspin. Yeah. And there is no logic that's going to reach you right now. Yeah. Like you're just fucking. It, the world's against you. It's a big swirling darkness, and you're fucked. You can slip because no matter. I'm going to tell you what I went through to kind of fix this and it's but it's an ongoing thing and mm -hmm. like certain things can really trigger it to come back and if you don't have a firm grasp on it or you haven't been practicing or you haven't been doing daily habits that keep you in check then yeah you, I sometimes have spun out um, and, it, and it does have to do with that confirmation bias that I was talking about earlier where these beliefs that had been ingrained for so long and then constantly reaffirmed every single time any little error occurred or any failure or anything like that uh, that got built. It, it, it's almost like putting cement over cement over cement and then I had to chip it all away. But sometimes some, like a, a cement bucket, a fresh bucket of cement starts coming back in and it starts confirming those biases from before and I have to really put it in check. And, yeah. and it happens when the emotions come down. I think my biggest problem is that I I will I'll look back on my own work with such a critical eye. Yeah. That I can't love it anymore. It just mm -hmm. has to be critical. That's that's an artist too, you know. Yeah, it can be it can be very bad. It, yeah, it feels like your work's never finished. Right. Yeah, I feel that way too for sure. I don't know if that part will ever go away. Maybe not, but I, like for example, I cuz I just completed two scripts, right? Yeah. And these two scripts are my favorite scripts that I've ever written. Right, but then I remember my first couple scripts being my favorite scripts that I ever written. Oh, that's good. This just means you're progressing as an artist. Well, yeah, you hope, right? But yeah. then I'm also kind of like, you know, speaking to imposter syndrome. I'm also like, wait a minute, am I just like I get excited in the moment, and then I just I'm gonna make something oh, bad anyways? Yeah, right. You like overanalyze it. Yeah, I don't think that. Right. Because I am personally very pleased with this, and with my mind's eye, I'm like, well, I trust my work. But I'm also like, man, it's just something I, I have at the back of my mind. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I've, I totally feel that. And I think that's definitely part of it. But I think what you have as a strength that I really admire is is that confidence part and that self-awareness that you maybe you'll have it in a moment, but you're always able to get through it. So it doesn't uh, it's not detrimental to. Yeah, I pushed through it. Yeah, I pushed through it. I'm very uh, headstrong. I think when it becomes detrimental or damaging to progress is when you really need to fix something yeah and i was telling this to somebody because they're like well how do i deal with i have confidence issues and all this kind of stuff and for me i just built i built me right like mm -hmm. i built this person and i step into his shoes every morning and then i wake up and i try to be this guy that i built like we can all be frauds like in a way we can all wake up and go well i'm a fraud i should just sleep all day but if you're like, no, you know what? I built whoever you are, whatever your first and last is, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to, starting tomorrow, I am this person. I am a morning person. I don't make excuses. Yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I can kick ass. Like, I, I'm not all my bad habits put together. Like, you can, you, you can reshape and change yourself 
in a day. Yeah, I think that's that's what it comes down to is that you are the stories that you tell yourself. You're the stories that you tell yourself and that you actually accept and believe about yourself. Yeah, and it's a mindset change, man. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy to do. No, but once you kind of figure that part out, it, it gets fun. Yeah. Because then I do things now where I'm like, what kind of person do I want to be this year? And I'll try on a different type of like something that I might not have tried before. You know, like uh, when I went into the whole chic wife life. It's so stuff, fun. It's fun because I'm like, wait, why can't I be a chic wife? Like what? I would look at the the women dressed in nice clothes and I'd be like, wow, that's cool. I wish that was me. Like I wish that like that fit my personality type. And then I realized that I had just been telling myself, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy's girl. Mm-hmm. I wear hoodies and mm-hmm. jeans and I do love hoodies and jeans. And I'm for the most part not into how much time it takes to get ready to be a girly girl but that doesn't mean i have to discount my entire femininity because i'm a guy's girl or whatever and i was like man no i really want to try that out like maybe i'm that person i want i'm gonna see what that's like i'll try her out tomorrow yeah and then i tried it out and i there were parts of it that i really like and that i kept Mm -hmm. but then there are other parts that i i didn't really like like i don't like doing that every day and I um, I don't like, uh, you know, any sort of special attitude that comes with it. But I did like feeling feminine. Yeah. And it was cute, man. And it yeah. was, and you had fun with it, right? That's the thing. It did. You, I remember you ordering clothes and you're like, I'm a chic wife now and all this stuff. You just rebranded yourself. And then I did the same thing with our house where I was like, wait, why can't I have like a Pinterest looking house? Like, why can't, why can't it look aesthetic and the way that I like look at other houses just because we're not like living in a mansion doesn't mean you can't make your space look luxurious yeah you know yeah and then um after that i was like well what if i was a person that that wore satin pajamas to bed every day you know (laughs) it just made me feel luxurious and just like what does that feel like like does that feel good do i like it and it's fun it's fun those of you listening you can you really can just start to change it just by buying new pajamas like it's yeah. it really is just small things you can do for like yourself. if you're gonna already think of yourself as a fraud might as well go full fraud and be like well i'm gonna try to be a completely different person and see what that feels like yeah start dressing like a fucking pirate feel like a sense of play with it walk around peacocking and shit and and start hitting on chicks at the park <laughs> see how well that does for yeah. you for me it was like um what do these type of people do and like putting myself into someone else's shoes and trying it out and seeing if I like it or what you know what parts I like and stuff and that's all anybody does right artists yeah. borrow from each other and steal from each other and all it's the same kind of thing but it's just like with acting. personality acting is like that where mm-hmm. you're like it's not just surface level lines that you're saying off of paper but like why does this person act this way what motivates them next way why, what do they feel inside on a daily basis how do they wake up in the morning like what's their daily routine and you just start to incorporate some of that into your own life and, and see how that feels for you. But there is a, a competence type. So if you're like, well, you know, I can't, I don't know if I have imposter syndrome because I'm not a perfectionist or whatever. You can have it without being that. There's certain competence types that got developed. One is a perfectionist and perfectionism and they go hand in hand. Um, but their primary focus is on how something is done. So everything Um, is about like how the work is conducted and then how it turns out. Perfectionists set excessively high standards for themselves and then they believe they should deliver a perfect performance 100% of the time, like no flaws. So if they think that they can't do something 100%, they won't do it or they won't show anybody 
right. that they're doing it. Or maybe they'll make, you know, they'll do it like a hundred times and they'll never tell the world about it. Yeah, they it. never maybe launch yeah. things. And they also imagine that others hold them to the standards that they set. So they they measure their own friends and family and work colleagues by those impossible standards. Mm. And sadly, no one can possibly live up to them. So perfectionists tend to believe that if you want something done right, you must do it yourself. And as a result, find it difficult to trust in others' abilities, fearing that they won't do it properly. And perfectionists also find it difficult if they're not in control. Um, They'd be very fun to date, I bet. Totally. <laughs> well, you'd never be able to live up to the standards. Fuck, right? Um, then there's the natural genius. So the, the if your competence type is someone who cares how and when accomplishments happen. So they set their internal bar impossibly high, just like perfectionists. But rather than judging themselves by an unrealistically high standard, they judge themselves on whether they get things right the first try. What? So, yeah. I, Yikes. Yeah. But this is kind of how I felt, too, where if I don't get it right away, because I've always gotten things right away... I feel like super stupid. I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Way for, to humanize that because I was very much like, nah. <laughs> well, I don't do that anymore because now, you know, it takes realizing this and that right. these are just falsehoods that you've been telling yourself, like that that no one is actually holding you to this high of a standard, that that's something that you've set for yourself based on something that happened in your childhood, that that's, that's the first step to breaking it. And so whatever it is for you, and I don't know what it is for anyone listening, but that I think that was partly mine. Um, if you're if you're this type, you probably got by in school without studying, but gave up at the first sign of a challenge if you weren't the top of the class. That was definitely me where I was usually top of the class without studying. But the minute I wasn't, I was like, well, this class sucks. Yeah, I fucking fuck hate this. myself and I'm stupid. And what's the point of doing anything? Right. And so I would teachers got very confused by me because one, the first half of the year I'd be stellar student the second half of the year I'm troublemaker because they're like we don't know what happened I did that in middle school I, was, I had perfect grades yeah I, I literally got one B and I was fucking bummed about it and then I looked around and I realized I didn't have any friends and I didn't know who I was anymore yeah and then I was like fuck this shit I'm gonna be way cool now and I was way cool after that totally but I honestly academically definitely slipped because of it in high school that happened but I just changed all my AP classes to regular classes and then smoke pot every day. Nice. Yeah. And that's good advice too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the solo. I'm just going to brush on these just yeah. just so you're listening. Like maybe you can delve deeper into it on your own time. But there's a soloist who defines competence as being able to do something on their own and believes that achievement only counts if it is unassisted. So the soloist cares mostly about who completes the task. To do well, they believe that they must be able to do it on their own. So soloists typically turn down help so they can prove their worth as an individual. And if they need help, they see it as a sign of failure, which evokes feelings of shame and triggers imposter feelings. Ooh, I've known a soloist. Yeah? Yeah. But also they would they had people that they hired around them, but because they hired them, they didn't value their work. Even though they were helping them do shit, they took all the credit. Oh. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Damn. I know someone that fell under this category, I feel like, but they just would never ask for help, even though they really, really needed it. Uh, but they just felt like if they had to ask for help, that was weak. Bizarre. Yeah. And then, yeah, that sucks because they just constantly felt bad about themselves. Right. Um, then there's the expert where, and this is all coming from um, Young, I think, Dr. Young, Dr. Valerie Young. Um, she has these categories, the expert. And the fourth competence type, uh, and she explains the expert is the knowledge version of the perfectionist. So they need to know it all and believe that true competence means knowing absolutely everything before you even start. Yikes. Yeah. 
So the primary concern here is on the what and how much you know or can do. They believe if they were really clever, they would already know everything they need to know to master a challenge before they even start. They do not feel satisfied until they have a comprehensive understanding of a subject before they start. When experts don't know the answer to every single question, they blame themselves for being incompetent instead of acknowledging their skill gaps and working to fill them. Yeah, man. Jesus. Yeah. Relax, expert. And then the last type I know someone exactly like this, too, uh, is the superwoman man. The supers push themselves to work harder than everyone else. Young finds this competence type measures competence based on how many roles they can both juggle and excel in. Boss, colleague, partner, parent, friend, volunteer, host. They expect that they should be able to fulfill them all perfectly and with ease. And if they fall short in any of their self-designated roles, they feel shame because they believe they should be able to handle everything. Supers set unrealistically high standards in every area and are, like the perfectionists, on turbo tar- charge. The, the only difference between the two is how they interpret their competence, with a super defining it based on their ability to perform perfectly in multiple roles versus the perfectionist who cares predominantly about their work, career, or studies. Damn, dude. that's I knew a chick like that in, in my neighborhood as a kid, and she drove the pink Mary Kay SUV. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's so funny because the person I'm thinking of was also very high in the Mary Kay. In the MLM? Yeah. Yeah. Mary Kay's an MLM. Everybody. Yeah. She was like all, this close to getting a pink Cadillac. Oh, see, those are those people. Yeah. They're, they're those people who are like, we're doing a cakewalk this Saturday. And they feel bad if they're ever not completely happy, if they're ever not like sunshine and rainbows. Mm. And they really feel shamed, to, uh, shamed if anyone sees any cracks in their armor or any sort of emotion natural emotions to have yikes yeah and they do tupperware parties and they punish themselves and it's sad yeah yeah but those are all different forms of competence types so if you feel slipping in one of these areas uh, imposter syndrome can occur where you feel like i don't know how i've been getting by on these areas i don't know why people believe that i'm capable of, of such high standards when clearly i'm not right and it even fell into my relationships where i felt like well, if you're picking me, then what's wrong with you? Like, why do you have such low standards? Interesting. Because I'm not, I'm not very good, and I'm not good enough, and I don't understand. Like, if if you see me as up here, and I see myself here, then you're fucking warped and delusional, and like you are settling. I don't deserve this. Yeah. 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 Wow, man, never had that mentality. Either you're delusional, or you have low standards. Right. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah, it is scary. And it's scary that you could, this happens to very, very intelligent people too. Like all walks of people, uh, people with PhDs, people who are CEOs, billionaires, rich people, poor people, like everything. Yeah, confidence is varies throughout every single field, every type of person. Yeah, that's what I think. I guess that was the most shocking part for me is that um this could be just so overlooked or like it's some shit they don't tell you it really is it's just some shit that like why don't they help to construct your like help you construct your own identity and confidence and stuff not this participation trophy bullshit yeah yeah, which can also be detrimental to feeling like an imposter when you realize that every thing you've ever won or been celebrated for was just for, for existing yeah yeah that's why i don't like mr rogers i've said it before everybody hates on me I don't know if he was participation trophy Guess what? oriented. Guess what I found out this morning? Because I'm building a case against Mr. Rogers in the public field. <laughs> You're stupid. He sued Ice Cube. What do you think of that shit? For what? 
Because he sampled part of uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood in his first album. Oh, that's a smart businessman. Yeah, so Mr. Rogers was collecting a, a nickel on every single album that Ice Cube sold. Oh, what a terrible person. He wanted rights to his own work? Well, I'm just saying, he's still, you know, everyone's like, he's such a nice cat. He that's fucking terrible. sued Ice, he fucking sued Ice I Cube. I can't believe that he wanted rights to his own work. That's fucking awful. I'm sorry, I didn't know that about him. Well, I I just think that everyone should take a hard look at, at Fred Rogers. <laughs> totally. Okay, so before we wrap this episode up, uh, I know you're probably like, okay, you fucking got me in this rabbit hole, and now how do I fix it? So you need to undo a lot of your core beliefs like I've stressed in this episode of Shit They Don't Tell You. And the first thing I would recommend doing is this might take, like set aside one to two hours for yourself, undistracted, unbothered, cut everyone else off, cut the world off, and really look at your entire life, like your entire life from a baby to where you are now, and list out every accomplishment, big or small, like every single one. And when you first start doing this, you'll start discounting everything. You're like, well, that's not an accomplishment because this is how it happened, blah, blah, blah. No, doesn't matter why it happened, how it happened, just list successes that you've had in your life, achievements you've made, accomplishments you've had, and do it until, like go through your life over and over again until you really make sure you got all of them. Make this whole list and then read it to yourself every day. Read it every day. Look through this list and not with a critical eye where you're like, well, that one's bullshit or whatever. No, you're going to read it as if you're a stranger looking at someone else's resume question what if it's so long that it takes me hours to read it i mean you gotta get through this is work okay and i know know, some of you are are very stellar people and you got a long list and that's a lot of work how about i how about i make a book instead of a list and and when i and like when you're looking at it pretending it's a stranger's resume i think you'll you'll start to be a lot more excited about yourself and like you'll be more proud of yourself because that was uh, was where the change occurred for me was when my therapist was like what if you were someone that got shown this life like look uh your life is gonna be you live in this beautiful area you are married to this person that you love like everything is and like kind of outlined my whole life and I was like wow if I heard that about another person I'd be like damn the person has an awesome fucking life they have a dream life and they did that, and they achieved what you know. Yeah, I, but the fact that it's you, you get completely lost in the discounted fog sometimes. Because I'm like, well, I know the truth. Right. I know the way it happened. I know the real. But this is how we all we view other people. Yeah. Like you took their accomplishments and you put it. Yeah. You might so, as well put it in front of their face because that's how we all we all see them. Right. So why was I putting other people way up here when like you know? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and it well it didn't click at all for me, I and get it. it's really hard to undo those core beliefs, no matter how much school you went to or how many degrees you have or how much studying you did like it's it's takes a lot of work and it takes uh work over time so don't beat yourself up if you also can't get rid of it right away it's definitely a work in progress um but what i've found very helpful for me in recent years since this has all happened is um definitely journaling every day and and taking a time of self-reflection and a type uh, time for gratitude and being grateful for what you have and that stuff. But also, um, I started doing this every month where I, instead of checking off what goals I hit, like, because I set goals at the beginning of the month and I used to really gauge myself by whether or not I achieved those specific goals. And none of the times did I achieve all of those goals. Yeah, like, sure. I was going to say, like, 
half the time. No, never did I ever achieve those goals. Like, at, at least not all of them. That's because you're a master. You're the best I've ever seen at adding to your plate. Yes. If I accomplish all the goals, then I'm like, well, I didn't set enough goals. <sighs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm being dumb there. Better set some more, some higher goals. Let's just give ourselves a challenge. I've watched you. <laughs> We're at somebody's house party. This is like a year ago or something. I watched you that week. You told me you're like, we're not saying yes to anything. We're not going out anywhere. I got to work on this shit, and I'm not going to nobody's house or nothing like that. We're at their house because it was already a pre-engaged thing. Yeah. This is the last one we're going to. They're like, you guys should come over next week. And you're like, ah, okay, yeah. And I look at you, and I'm like, I'm this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think I could do it all. Like, yeah. But, yeah, so instead of doing that and gauging my self-worth based off of or it's, and judging my even achievements or successes off of what goals that I had previously outlined for me to accomplish that I did or did not accomplish, I started just listing every single achievement that happened that month. And the first time I did this, I was like, well, there are none, <laughs> you know? Sad. But then, yeah. But then when I like actually went through, and this was after I started keeping a, a, a planner that had my schedule in it. So it actually had all the things that I did that day in it. Um, I realized that I I actually accomplished way more than I thought I did. And it really wasn't until I started like listing this out every month. And you might think it's ridiculous, but when you when you do it, you start to actually have belief in yourself that you're like, there is progress happening and there are achievements happening. And not only well, it's it and worth comes into play too, but that was a slippery slope because I started associating self-worth and my worthiness of love by accomplishments. And I had to detach that because you are worthy of love no matter what you have or have not accomplished. But as far as achievements go or like, um, you know, where you belong in, if you are deserve your job or your career or your status in life or wherever you are, um, that I think you have to continually remind yourself of the amount of, things that you do or like the achievements that you've the small achievements that you make on a on a monthly basis on a weekly basis and then the bigger ones you have to celebrate them we've talked about this before we lo- i love this mentality and how much that helped us yeah to because both of us are not good at celebrating our wins no we're just not good at that i already and i, I feel bad for our kids i already have things to complain about about my win yeah you know what i'm saying yeah That's i always want to take away from yeah, my yeah, win yeah 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 I've yeah. never gone to a movie premiere of mine and been 100% satisfied or anything like that. In fact, the next day I'm like, great. Like, I have the notes, <laughs> but I can't change it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of that a lot of times. And even the, the most prominent directors and writers and producers, they all feel that way too. Yeah, man. I mean, look, everyone, look, everyone fails at things, right? Like, like uh, I was saying this the other day, Christopher Nolan is – one of the geniuses of our time, for sure, right? Everyone's like, man, everything he makes is so dope. Mm-hmm. Like, you you better believe that that guy had some kind of luck play into where he got, right? But, yeah. he, but he's also a talented person. Well, luck is where preparation and opportunity collide. Right. And so I think even, even there, somebody like that, where we all just look at them and go, man, no matter what he makes, it's fucking awesome. I can't think of a Christopher Nolan movie that's bad. Like, I still see him as a human being mm-hmm. who is capable of failure just like anybody else. Like, I don't build a statue to Christopher Nolan in my head and go, I'll never be able to do that kind of thing. Like, one time his wife was probably like, fuck me. And then he just ate a burrito and <laughs> he couldn't get it up. I've and he there. was like, oh, shit. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, she, I'm bloated. And then she was like, whatever. Exactly. And then went to bed mad. 
She, yes. Yeah, see, that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Another thing that I feel like I struggled with personally and maybe you could relate to this um, is that self-deprecation is considered polite and you can feel boastful talking about yourself. I felt like a lot of my humor was based around self-deprecation and I didn't want to let go of that. That was like part of my identity, I felt. And I didn't realize that subconsciously, my subconscious was accepting all the self-deprecation, even though I was doing it humorously, it was still accepting it. So, uh, I, yeah, I had to really cut back on that and I do still do some self-deprecation, but uh, not nearly as much as I used to. I used to just like roast myself every second of every part of my art ever. Um, but I think it's equally fun to go the other way and act like you're the best. <laughs> like, yeah, it's funny. You're like super confident, like act like, oh my God, I'm so fucking beautiful. Like, I do have to say though, your recent you guys catch up Animal to... Crossing Island tour thumbnail was very self-deprecating in a great way. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I have no life anymore? <laughs> I have no life anymore and it's just you like like doing the, like an Instagram pose. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. With my st- stupid island in the background. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you might worry that what other that others will react negatively toward negatively towards you, or that being confident makes you unlikable. I did feel that way. I really didn't like boastful people, and I really hated. I saw a lot of people when they talked about successes as bragging, and so it was hard for me to celebrate or talk about any of my successes because I didn't want anyone to think I was bragging or boasting or thought too highly of myself. Um, so I went. Completely the other way, like totally place to be. overcompensated. Like I never have anything to talk about, or never want to talk about anything that I've done, because right. I don't think it's good enough. Right. Yeah. I learned the tool, and this is a very. I'm very much like you on that end, right? But Hollywood is all about. I know that. But that's so why I'm so bad at Hollywood. You have to go into every conversation with. Here's what I did lately. Here's what my moves are. What yeah. I did. And I did not get used to that for the longest time until I watched it work a bunch of times in front of me. Yeah. Where people just go up to people cold and like, hey, what's up? I'm Steve. I'm a writer. I've made this many movies. I got a movie on Netflix. And these people's eyes light up and then they're, they completely change their demeanor around these people. Like it's wild. Yeah. Because we're, I think you and I, pretty fucking dope people as far as. I don't care what you've done. Yeah. I don't care how many subscribers you got. I don't judge you on got, your numbers or, or your money fuck. or anything. Yeah. Are you cool? Are you a good person? Do you right. have cool, strong values? Because I know people with fuck tons of subscribers who aren't. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I don't want to be friends And also, with you, I feel like it brings out the best or the worst in people. Yes. Because I've known people that started, when we started being friends, uh, I didn't judge them by their numbers. They were just starting a YouTube channel and then their YouTube channel blew up and all of a sudden they're too good for anyone. Oh, does. I knew a cat who everybody knows. This is not Shane Dawson. Everyone always thinks it's Shane Dawson. God yeah. damn it. Okay. But it doesn't matter. He I knew him in the early early I know who you're talking about. Okay. He blows the fuck up and he was the nicest dude. He he blew the fuck up. And then like next thing I know, everyone is talking about how he's yelling at crew members and stuff. Yeah. And like how he's just became a fucking terror. So you do not know people until they get power. Yeah. That's when you find out who the fuck they really are. Yeah. If you, if they get, when they, that's why they say money is the root of all evil. Cause like people, they like people get greedy and money and they'll fuck people over. But really it's just bringing out who they are inside. Oh yeah. So if they're a good person, money does not make them evil. Money makes them more charitable in most cases, more generous. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're, if they've got some shit to work on in their themselves, yeah, money can bring out the worst in people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I see. Money and power. 
Yeah, but I, I hope this helps uh, some of you out there that may have been struggling with imposter syndrome. Just take it one day at a time. Incorporate good habits into your daily life. Celebrate your wins and realize that you are not a fraud. You are you deserve your successes. It was not a fluke. It was not a luck. I do think, though, real quickly, mm-hmm. in Animal Crossing, when you go to resident services, yes, everybody gets five stars eventually. And mm. I've seen some fuck. They're just handing them out. They're just I've handing some, them out. I, I've seen some disgusting looking islands. The, f- the first time world. I got five stars, I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so cool. And then I saw other people's five star islands and I was like, this success is not counting. This Giving is them not, away. I'm throwing in the trash. So that's something Participate, that participation. It's a award. participation award now. You just got to drop enough islands, on, uh, enough items on your island. Yeah. So you just got to have different ki- types of furniture. Okay. So you if have you're to have out different there types, and you're blowing past people, and you're fucking dusting your shoulders off, and you're like, I don't give a fuck if you're even alive. I got a five star island. You might want to reexamine that, because it's not that big a deal actually. Damn, shots fired. Just saying. All right, guys. Well, subscribe. I hope you liked it. Uh, rate us five stars on iTunes. It really helps us. Share with, with your friends. Share this podcast with your friends because it helps us. It really helps us. Thank you, guys. And we, we love you. you. And we need it. We're desperate. Yeah, we really need it, guys. We really think that we just got this far because of luck. Well, and also, we had a five-star island, and now we realize it's worth nothing. And so we're nothing. we're really – our conference is shaking. It's kind of like, you know, like when you have a podcast, but then, like, everybody has a podcast. <gasps> and then you're like – That happened to us. <gasps> Okay, bye. Please share it with your friends. Thank you.